Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. O-G. Make some noise! How you doing, everyone? Russ Salzberg here, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. However, this week, I have to warn you, what you're going to be getting a load of is not pleasant. In fact, it's sickening. A sickening, twisted story of child abuse and perversion. But it's a story that must be heard. All right. Not because he's a friend of mine, folks, but Dennis Hamill, I don't have to tell you because you must know it if you've been in this city for any length of time, Dennis Hamill is one of the best columnists to ever write in this city. I mean, his columns in the Daily News were tough, gritty, straight-talking, straight from the heart, no BS whatsoever. Unfortunately, Dennis in the News, you know, as happens, parted ways a couple of years ago, but it's our good fortune that Dennis still does a weekly column for a small newspaper, The Independent, out in the Hamptons. Anyway, I just want you to tell you how I found out about the story. So I go online a couple of nights ago to check out his l- latest column. And I'm telling you, while I was reading it, it froze me. I mean, it put me in a catatonic state. I, I-, I was... Beside myself, I was sweating, I was pacing in my den, I was like on fire, enraged, pissed off, dropping F-bombs one after the other after the other. My wife comes running downstairs, she thought she really thought I lost my mind. But when I told her what the column was about, and I said, just read it a little bit, she couldn't even go on reading it, that's how sickening it was. So here's the deal. This young mother living in Brooklyn, you know, separated from her husband, okay? Uh, Common-law husband. Anyway, she leaves her three-year-old little daughter with the father. Okay, that sounds normal. That's what happens when people are separated, right? Well, here's what the piece-of-shit father was doing. He was taking pictures of his sweet, innocent daughter. No, no, not just pictures Filthy, disgusting, pornographic pictures. Then, as if this is not twisted enough, this low life of a father, I can't even call him a father, uh, this low life would send those pictures 
and swapped those pictures with other pedophiles. Now, what was he swapping the pictures of his own little girl for? He was swapping pictures of actual rapes of children, some as young as two years old. Now, this is the lowest form of low, I mean, this is animal excrement, okay? Talk about twisted for self-gratification. I mean, people, maybe this is politically incorrect for me to say, but political correctness is not exactly my middle name anyway. But I have to tell you, after reading this column and reading this story over and over again and then doing a little of my own research, I know, as crazy as this sounds, that I have the ability to kill somebody. Really. I could take this guy, slit his throat. I kid you not. Slit his throat from ear to ear, put my head down, on the pillow at night and sleep like a rock. I, I've raised with my wife two wonderful daughters, married. They've given us three sweet young grandsons. You harm them, and I am coming after you with everything I have. And I'm not stopping until I take care of business. That's how I feel. And I'm sure a lot of you people listening to this right now especially as you continue to hear this story, would feel the exact same way. Now, you can imagine, after this stuff, this sickening, twisted crap was found out, not only was the FBI involved, New York State and federal prosecutors were involved, special victim unit cops were involved, you had pediatricians involved, a child shrinks specializing in child sex abuse, they all got involved. Um, Fortunately, I I can't be, you know, I can't begin to like, I'm scratching my head because I'm using the word fortunately, but yeah, there is fortunately here. Fortunately, they all agreed that the little girl was, thank God, never actually raped or sodomized or penetrated. Now, I know this is making you sick because it made me sick, but I believe this story needs to be heard. But this piece of shit, who, by the way, just if you want to jot it down, his name is Stephen Masiello. He admitted to the feds that he would give his daughter Benadryl, Benadryl to make her sleep, to knock her out. And then he also confessed when she was knocked out, he would put her in these positions and show her little, his little daughter's body off. On top of that, on the website, online, he also confessed to using a screen name of Dickworm. This is the father of a little girl. Dickworm, okay? What did he also do? He would post the images of his little darling girl to Russian websites. So, think about this. This child, this innocent child, now has her images out there in the cyber world 
Forever. Forever. This is a father. Not sick enough for you? Get a load of this. In an exchange of text, text that the FBI found out between this piece of shit Massiello and another pedophile, the two of them are haggling over photos. With Massiello giving up more photos of his little girl's private parts. But first, he demanded to see, in exchange for those images of his own little girl, he wanted photos back of child rapes. I wish, folks, I wish I was making all this up. I I wish it was some sick horror movie on TV or, or a B movie someplace. But no, this actually really happened. I'm looking at my producer here, Mike Coscarelli. Have you ever heard anything as twisted as this? Uh, no, not necessarily. I don't think anything. Things close. Yeah, but, yeah, but th- th- think about what you just said. Yeah. Things close. This shit is out there in the world today. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. The internet makes it easier for people to do the, twisted the, shit like this. This, this is part of the problem. You know, internet's been great in a lot of ways. This is like one of the major things that's wrong with it. Now, get this, folks. In this text, with in, in one of these texts, the other, other pedophile on the other end of the text asked Massiello who this little girl was, who he was sending him pictures of. He tells the guy it's his daughter. So even the fellow creep pedophile replies, and this is in a text, your own daughter, man? Think about that. The other pervert felt it was even too perverted for him. I'm telling you, on on a scale of lowlifes, to me, none is lower than pedophiles. None. But a father, you bring somebody into this world, a father making his own child a victim, a victim of his self, himself, nothing, absolutely nothing is lower than that. But if this isn't twisted enough, it gets worse. It get it gets worse, folks. Believe me. This Stephen Massiello, known in his low life world as Dick Worm, he was first arrested back in February 2015. All right. Now. I can tell you this, my, my, my father let him rest in peace. If he found out I was doing this and he loved me, he would break every bone in my body. Okay? Break every bone in my body. That I would be doing this to his granddaughter. So anyway, this piece of garbage known on the in his Twitter, in his web world as Dick Worm, what does his family do? They rush to his aid and post a $100,000 bail so their little boy can be out walking the streets. But that's not all. Remember I told you 
the little girl's mother and this creep father were separated. And the little girl's mother had some drug problems and at one time had been in rehab. So the lowlife's family hires a top family court lawyer, a top gun, if you will, to fight for custody of the little girl. So think about this. This piece of shit, Stephen Massiello, who did this to his sweet, innocent daughter, who's out on bail, he's walking into court smug, he's got a ankle bracelet on, and he's under house arrest, and he's fighting for custody of his daughter. And he's walking around like a schmuck, thinking like he's going to win. This nonsense went on for two years. But then it stopped. Why? Well, how, how's this one? This is like a 10-part a series made for TV. It would stop because a year ago the FBI tracked down yet other pedophiles who had received other images of Massiello's little girl. So the piece of shit was re-arrested and was now facing 20 years. Think about it. 20 years? It should be 2,000 years. In fact, forget that. It should be 20,000 years. I remember there's, there's an old classic Spencer Tracy movie because I've, I've seen it recently. 20,000 years in Sing Sing. That's what this guy should be doing. 20 years? He could face only 20 years? By the way, his, his, uh, his family didn't show up the last time in court when the rest of that stuff was found out. And fortunately, fortunately, the little girl is with the mother. But then this past September, knowing that he was cooked, what's Massiello do? He agrees to a plea bargain. Now, part of the agreement would be that uh, he would have to confess to all his crimes. And by doing so, as a first-time offender, he was facing just 10 years. 10 years. I, I mean, that boggles the mind. How, how, could, how could the legal system allow this to be? Ten years? He was supposed to be sentenced in December. But guess what? Once again, the sentencing was postponed. The, the feds and authorities told the mother that there might still be other images of their, out there of a little girl. So because it is, it's more likely that he will be facing something like 20 years when he's sentenced in just a few weeks. It's the, the sentencing date is May 3rd. I mean, this piece of shit. And, and folks, I've said this to you in the past. I, I don't use foul language just for the sake of using it, but I don't know how else to, to describe this bum. All right. He should never, ever see the light of day. He, he, he doesn't deserve to live. 
but he should never see the light of day. So if there's anybody out there in the federal Brooklyn lockup who might be listening to this podcast on the OG Podcast Network, if anybody's listening, his federal, Masiello's federal bureau prison number happens to be number 787-40054. Okay? Prison number 787-40054. Because you see, the reason I'm giving you this, pedophiles in prison, they don't do very well. They, they, they kind of hide what their, their crime is. And when they're found out, sometimes some jailhouse justice happens. And let me tell you, like I said, I would love to see somebody put this guy away. I know it's politically incorrect. And I'm going to tell you something. I have a daughter who worked for the Innocence Project. And it turned me around. I mean, I was a hang high guy, capital punishment, all this and that. But then I got to learn and see people wrongfully put in prison for 10, 15, 20, 30 years and then get released because they were wrongfully incarcerated. But this, pedophiles, like I say, that's the lowest form of existence there can be. And you confess to these crimes, your own little girl don't deserve to live. And listen, as a father, as a a grandfather, it makes me nuts, just nuts. But you don't have to be a parent or a grandparent. If you're part of the human race, this has to make you ill. But you know what else makes you ill? Because it makes me ill. Some of the current laws regarding these pedophiles and sexual predators. After reading Hamill's column, I did some homework. Now, maybe you know, maybe you don't know. But after the age of 23, after the age of 23, if you're a survivor of sexual abuse, after the age of 23, you no longer have the option to press criminal charges against your abuser. Now, to me, that's nuts. I'm no shrink, but I figure for many of these victims, it takes years and years and years and years to be able to deal with what they suffered and be able to come forward and talk about it. The scars, those scars don't go away. So they're putting a time limit, a time limit. And if you can believe this, there are people in opposition that that think it, should, it shouldn't be any more than 23. I'm going to get to that right now. Because you see, for the past 12 years, the Child's Victims Act, as it's called, has been on the table in New York State, but is yet to be passed. Okay? It's yet to be passed. Possibility this year. If it gets passed, the age limit to press criminal charges gets extended. 
five more years. The grand total goes from 23 to 28 years. I still don't think it's enough. I don't think there should be a limit. On civil cases, you can go to age 50. So basically they're telling you on a civil case, yeah, you can go for the guy's bank account till, till you're 50, but you can't go for his jugular for his life. Only, you know, the limit would be 28. Like, to me, there should be no limit on going after a pedophile. A heinous, vile crime is a heinous, vile crime. The effects of those crimes, of those victims, never go away. They're there. These people, these victims have to live with this for the rest of their lives. And I scratch my head finding out that there is opposition to this Child's Victims Act. There has been opposition. And how about this? Guess where some of the opposition comes from to the Child's Victims Act? It comes from the Boy Scouts of America and the Catholic Church. How about that there, Mikey? You're speechless. <laughs> I, I There's things I could say, but... Uh, yeah, it, like you, you, it you lines can, up. Yeah, it lines up. Yeah. No, and 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 you, your laugh is is a sarcastic laugh yeah. because no, no, I, I mean it's fitting it, in a it, very it's fit, odd yeah, way. It's fitting in an odd way, right? But think about that. Try this on, folks. According to advocates, something like forty thousand kids, forty thousand kids in New York State are sexually abused every year. 40,000! Think about if your kid was one of the 40,000. Think about if your kid was one of the 40,000. I'm telling you, as I said at the beginning, this is a story that must be heard. And to me, these laws and what, they have to be adjusted. Because I said, these pedophiles, folks, they are the lowest of the lowest. And the thought of doing that to your own innocent three-year-old child, it's just, simply put, folks, it's beyond belief. All right. We're going to get to some sports stuff a little later. But there's some other, this has been a week of wackadoo-ness. All right, let's talk some Starbucks. Because everybody's talking Starbucks this week. All right? Everybody's talking about it. Uh, By now, you're all aware of the story, the unfortunate story that happened last week in Philly. Two black men hanging out in a Starbucks were handcuffed and arrested for what was called trespassing after they refused to leave when asked. Charges, fortunately... 
you know, common sense prevailed and charges were dropped. Unfortunately, there was no common sense to begin with. Now we learn that uh, next month, May 29th, Starbucks has said uh, they're going to close 8,000 of their stores in the afternoon to be able to train some 175,000 employees in a racial-biased education program. Now, it's a smart move by Starbucks because this incident has taken on a life of its own, and it's certainly bad for business for Starbucks. So they need to protect their business and their brand, and I certainly understand what they're doing. But here's the question, because everybody's been talking about it, and I'm hearing it, and I'm hearing the debates. Who's at fault over this mess? I'll tell you who's at fault. All parties concerned. All parties concerned. Because not one of those parties used an ounce of common sense. Not the person, the manager, who asked the two black men to leave, who called the cops. Not the two black men who were arrested. And not the cops who did the arresting. The issue at hand was the two black men had asked to use a bathroom but didn't purchase anything. They were hanging out just waiting for someone. Did the Starbucks employee have to call the police over this? Common sense? No, they did not. It was stupid. If the, if the employee would have thought, the manager would have thought, you would have realized, what am I creating here? It's also two black men, two African-American men. This is going, by doing this, by calling the cops, I am going to make a mountain out of a molehill. Because the optics would be absolutely, they would result in exactly what it is, an ugly situation. And I don't care what the Starbucks policy was. Like, so people are cutting the manager slack because she was simply following policy. Sometimes you got to be able to think on your feet and use common sense. All right? You got to be able to think on your feet and use common sense. Common sense could have prevailed, and if it would have prevailed, it would have helped not have this incident. So now let's get to the two black men who were arrested. People aren't going to like this, but I'm going to say, where was their common sense? They wanted to use the bathroom, but the policy said they need to purchase something. Now I can tell you this, folks. I haven't had coffee in over 40 years. I haven't. I stopped drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes the same morning. I just stopped. But having said that, I was in, and I've, so I've only been in a Starbucks one time. And I was in a Starbucks, for lack of a better term, I had to take a leak. I had to go. So I went into the Starbucks and I asked to use the bathroom and I was told I couldn't, I had a, that's the policy. So you know what I did? I bought a drink. I believe it was tea. I bought a drink. I remember it was the winter time. That's what I did. 
Anyway, they were going, these two men were going to be, they were waiting for somebody. So if you were waiting for somebody, what would have been the big deal to use a little common sense and buy something to drink? Okay? They weren't, these weren't bums. These weren't homeless. These weren't vagabonds. Respectable looking guys. Get something to drink and use the bathroom. But no, you did not use common sense. Instead, you helped fan the flames. Now, did you fan the flames on purpose, knowing this was going to turn into a race bias situation? I don't know. I'm not going to say yes. I'm not going to say no. But again, common sense, cooler heads could have and would have prevailed. And then if they would have bought something and something else happened, aha, then they really got a right to be angry. So that brings us to the cops. I watched the Philly commissioner, don't have his name in front of me, who happens to be also African-American, also a black man, say that the cops did exactly what they were supposed to do. All right? Exactly what they were supposed to do. I'm sorry, Mr. Commissioner, I disagree. I disagree. Police, and I'm a big supporter of police. Police are supposed to maintain order. When they get to a situation, they're, they're supposed to ascertain the situation and then deal with it accordingly. Okay, now this wasn't a split second somebody with a gun situation where you got to react pronto right away. Again, how about use, using some common sense? The cops had to know by cuffing these guys and and cuffing them in public with people watching and with the cell phones. They had to know this was not not now already. This was no longer a forest fire. This was a full blown explosion. And that's exactly what happened. And where was the common sense? What could, you know, to me, so now somebody's saying, real words to put the cops did according. Everybody did what they were supposed to do. It was a following policy. It was the common sense. And it seems that the world is losing common sense. So now you got an ugly situation. You got a black, white situation. And that's another one of those is the last thing this country needs. So as far as I'm concerned, common sense failed on all parties concerned on this Starbucks issue. And and quite frankly, you know, people are, um, again, I'm not a coffee drinker. I got nothing. I, I couldn't care less one way or the other about Starbucks. But Starbucks is a victim now, too. Because now people are protesting and and picketing Starbucks. Somebody was stupid. Somebody didn't use common sense. So now that has to be rectified. And quite frankly, Starbucks is doing what they need to do because they have to protect their brand. 
But again, the failure of common sense is what caused this ugly mess. All right. I promise you I'm going to get to some sports in a little bit, but there are too many issues this week that really have got me irked. The other issue is the bimbo, Stormy Daniels, and her narcissistic, sleazy attorney, Michael Avenatti. Look, I don't know all the details of everything about this Michael Cohn case and her $130,000 payoff. But she's walking around and holding press conferences with this, this lawyer who is just eating up the publicity. Like she's making like she's some upstanding classy. She's a porn star. She's a porn star. All right? And I'm going to tell you something else about common sense prevailing. You know, this is all part of what's going on in the world today. By her doing this and by this shyster lawyer doing this, let me tell you what's going to, it's, it's going to hurt a lot of women who've been treated wrongfully. Because if you're trying to get out of a non think about this. And I've spoken. I've spoken with a very successful attorney who happens to be a female. And she's the one who offered this to me. By doing this, it's going to hurt. But if this thing gets upheld and she's allowed to like get out of her non-disclosure agreement... It's going to hurt. Let, let, let's say you're a woman who really has been treated wrongfully in the workplace. And, and you're, you're seeking justice and seeking compensation. No one's going to want to agree to any non-disclosure agreements anymore. If it's not worth the paper it's written on or signed on. And I'm watching these people. Yeah, but they're they're on. I, I mean, I I happened to watch Stormy Daniels. I I was I came in from my run. My wife had it on in the kitchen. I'm watching Stormy Daniels and his lawyer on the View. Oh my God! I, I, that was. I, I mean, that was a reality show at its worst. Not at its best. At its worst. So between Stormy and Starbucks, oh my God, what a week this has been. But I'll, I'll tell you, as far as I'm concerned, the Starbucks thing makes a lot more sense to me, even though it lacked common sense on all fronts than the Stormy Daniels thing. People, people who, listen, I get it. A lot. This country is divided. A lot of people out there don't like President Trump. I myself am not a fan. If you know anything about me, you know that. But these two? Really? Anybody listening to their line of crap, as far as I'm concerned, is out to lunch. <laughs> Just completely out to lunch. All right. Let's talk a little 
sports. You know, there's a lot of speculation going on now on two fronts. The Knicks front and the Giants front. Also the Jets as well, but, you know, with the Jets, you know that they're going to draft the quarterback. So we're going to put that on the back burner. They're going to draft the quarterback. It's just a matter of which one they get with the number three pick. But before we get to that, let me deal with the Knicks. Who's going to be the next head coach of the Knicks? Inquiring minds want to know. You had Van Gundy mentioned. You had Mark Jackson mentioned. You had the guy uh, Blatt, who, who who was in Europe, who you, you know was with the Cavs and subsequently got fired because he wasn't getting along with LeBron. It's uh, got Fizdale and a lot of guys are being mentioned. I don't know if there is somebody with the inside track. A lot of people locally are in favor of Mark Jackson. St. John's guy, a St. John's man, a a former Nick, a New York guy, a homeboy. I understand all that. If he gets the job, I have no problem with it. But if he doesn't get the job, I have no problem with that either. He had a great job with the Golden State Warriors. Great job, great young team, and he couldn't hold on to it because he couldn't get along with the brass. Now, he's not the first guy not to be able to get along with the brass, but that's a problem. And if he had problems in Golden State, whether he's a New York guy or not, there's a good chance that there would be problems cropping up in forget Golden State, in New York State. More closer in New York City. And since I'm here talking to, during the OG podcast, get a load of this, in this building. Because <laughs> the Knicks are here. And, you know, I could understand Nick Brass having reservations. And Mark's a tough guy, but he also can be thin-skinned too. And with this jobs comes plenty of heat. So I don't know. And I don't know if they want to go back to Van Gundy. I don't know. You know, Van Gundy quit on them once. Early in the season. I think the record was 10-9 and or something like that. I'm not, not exactly sure. You know, why did he really quit? I don't know. And, and believe me. I like both guys, but if I'm going to be fair, if I'm going to put myself in the chair of management, I got to look and answer all these questions. Now, the other guys, I don't know. I see Mike Woodson's name, who was fired as a Knicks coach, was mentioned for interviews. They're interviewing a lot of people. I wonder if I should throw my hat in the ring. I mean, they are interviewing a lot of people. And I don't know about the other people. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to pass judgment. I'm, I'm, I'm Jerry Stackhouse. You hear good things, but I'm not going to pass judgment on Jerry. I don't know anything about his coaching ability. 
I hear I hear good things about Fizdale, but I don't know anything about him from an up close observation. So I'm gonna have to let the Knicks brass prevail. But understand this, folks. This goes out to all of you fans and all members of the New York media, myself included. When Phil Jackson was brought in, we stood up and applauded. He didn't receive a welcome at the Garden when he was brought in. He received a coronation. The king, a former Nick. From the champion, from the glory years, from their only championships, he was returning. A friend of Willis, a friend of Clyde. We all applauded it. Everybody. And it was an unmitigated disaster of the worst kind. So you just never, ever, ever know for sure. Ever. And that's going to bring me to... The upcoming NFL Draft, which is uh, next Thursday, the 26th of April. What are the Giants going to do? I'm telling you this. As we speak right now today, I promise you, you know, I I promise you, the Knicks do not... correct myself the Giants do not know what they're going to do I'm telling you they do not know I know this for a fact they have not made a final decision and also in fact I would not be a bit surprised if they haven't made their final decision right up until they have to make their choice and the clock is running Because maybe someone's going to make him some kind of offer for something. And I'm not talking about Odell Beckham Jr. Because the only way they don't, first of all, they don't want to trade Odell. And the only way they trade Odell is is if somebody's offering the likes of Jim Brown, Joe Montana, Gail Sayers, and whoever else you want. It ain't happening. But I don't think they know. I don't know if they want Chubb on defense. I don't know if they want Barkley, the running back. I mean, personally speaking, I would like them to take Barkley. I genuinely would like them I would like them to take Barkley because I think Barkley is one of those running backs that uh, doesn't come along all the time. But, but understand this about the draft, and, and I re- remember this distinctly. Let him rest in peace, the old uh, Giants uh, GM who helped turn around the franchise and get them their first two Super Bowls, George Young. Blair Thomas was picked the number one by the Jets. He was a bust, a complete bust. I remember asking George Young about Blair Thomas. We were sitting in his office. He pulled out a a sheet of paper and showed me how the Giants, and he said everybody else, had Blair Thomas 
as a can't-miss number one overall pick. Can't miss. So while everybody's getting in the lather and holding guns to the Giants' heads, it's got to be right. And listen, you want to be right. You, you, you don't want to F up a number two pick. Because if you screw that up, <laughs> you're screwed for years to come. They don't want to do that. But the reason I would like them to take Barkley is simple. They think Eli's got a couple of years left anyway, not just one. So if you got Eli and you want it for a couple of years, that that's why I also say Odell's not going anyplace because why would you get rid of Eli's biggest weapon? But I think a running back like Barkley, Saquon Barkley, I think that makes everything very, very, very exciting. Because they, they might have been 3-13 and 13 last year, but what could have gone wrong with the Giants did go wrong. It was just a god-awful year. Trust me, they're not just looking to rebuild. Their mindset is to get back in the, into the playoffs this year. So personally speaking, I would like to see Barkley, but I really don't think they know. And rem- remember something else about draft drafting. When Phil Simms was drafted by the Giants, what I think what he, he went number seven, I believe it was. When he was drafted by the Giants, the great Hall of Fame coach who's viewed as a genius, Bill Walsh, had projected, he was planning, he went down, worked, at, worked out Phil Simms at, uh, was it Moorhead State? Worked out Phil Sims and planned on drafting him in the third round. In the third round. George Young drafted him seventh overall in the first round. So Walsh had to make alternate plans and wound up with Joe Montana. This draft business. It's not foolproof. And that's why I, I'm just one of those guys who doesn't get all excited every time um, you know, I, I, I don't get excited every time somebody's saying this and that and, and they gotta take this guy and you gotta take that guy. I, I just every you get all the experts on TV. And on a radio and in a newspaper. And this has been going on for months now with the speculation. And I know you're trying to sell stories, but it becomes overkill. It is not a foolproof science. It just isn't. Luck becomes involved. So hopefully, hopefully, when it's the Giants' turn next week and the Jets' turn Luck is on their side. All right? Let's just hope so. Because if luck is not on their side, I can tell you what we're going to be reading, hearing all over again. It's going to be mayhem. But having said that, that's a wrap on today. I think we covered enough bases. I'd like to thank all of you for getting a load of me. And now... I'd like to be able to get a load of you. So why don't you send me your thoughts on today's show 
or any other show for that matter, you can send them, you know, on Twitter at, at Russ Salzberg. I'm on Facebook. And maybe I'll read the best comment or comments of the week next week. As always, my thanks to my outstanding producer, Mike Coscarelli, to uh, 77 WABC program director Craig Schwab, of course, to the people putting me on here, WABC and the OG Podcast Network, and of course, you people out there, because without you, I got nobody to talk to. So until next week, folks, it is me, Russ Salzberg, saying once again, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.